Hey guys, welcome to Peace of Authenticity with the Andersons. We're live every Monday morning and we want to be current and authentic and genuine in every topic that we bring for you guys. Nothing is more refreshing than when people are open and honest with their walk with God. And that's just what we want to do. We want to have conversations with you weekly that ignite you and challenge you to be the best that you can be. A lot of times we think that we have to have it all put together and we put on masks to get through our week. But here, we want to be able to just talk it out. Exactly how it comes out is exactly how it's going to be. So join in on the conversation. Three, two, one. Hey. What's up? <laughs> yeah. So we've had a false start a couple times because we had started yeah. at the same time and it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's okay. okay. Um, and we this is our second time recording because the first time Jordan's microphone had some like hardcore feedback on it. So here we are. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity, Aubrey and Jordan Anderson. Yes. What's up? Hi. Um, here's the thing. We've been diving in. The last, was it 15 days? Yeah. If you have the Bible app on your phone, I want to challenge everybody that's listening to this right now. Go to the Bible app and search 30 Day Shred. I want you to search that because that we are on day 15, right? Yes. Yeah, right in the middle of the 30 Day Shred, which means that we are reading through the entire Bible in 30 days. And also, there are other options of plans that are longer than 30 days yeah so but if you know you're something weak, oh my i'm just kidding gosh people he did not mean it okay no <laughs> I'm just kidding. but what i was gonna say is that like we should all start the bible in genesis and read all the way through because it is the coolest most amazing thing to step back and see the story of redemption as a whole from beginning to end like that has been one of my favorite parts is to step back and see you know, certain things unfold because all yeah. throughout my life, I've gone back and forth and here and there and Sunday school talked about this. And then I went over here about that. You know what I mean? And it's never been like how the Bible was put together. It's never, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just here and there. You just kind of skip around. Yeah. And this has been amazing. It really has. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that I never knew was there before. Uh-huh. No, it's true. <laughs> we were in ministry. That's sad. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it's been awesome to, to read through the, the Old Testament scripture. We're, we're deep in Psalms right now. When, yeah. we, when we finish our reading today, we will almost be done with Psalms, and then we'll get to move into Proverbs, which was awesome, actually is awesome. Yeah. Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom. The Lord granted it, it to him, and then there now we have Proverbs. Yes. Um, but it, it's amazing because I never knew that I, – I used to like talk to people all the time. And, you know, a lot of people think that God acts differently in the New Testament than he did in the Old Testament. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I even used to say, man, I, I wish that the Lord was still in the Old Testament, you know, an eye for an eye and all this stuff. Like you always <laughs> just think that God's tough and strikes people down in the Old Testament. And now all of a sudden we, we're under grace. And so that automatically means that God is soft. Yeah, which, like Santa Claus. Right. Kinda. Which couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-mm. If you read the Old Testament like a storybook, like what Jordan's talking about right now, you see the whole time that God, from the beginning, starting with Abraham, 
God has been rich in yes, mercy yes. concerning the Israelites. And he's just he's just as um, merciful as he is just. He's just as mm. loving as he is faithful. He's just, So there's a lot of things that sometimes us as humans step back and feel like it contrasts, but it doesn't. It actually complements. And we'll never understand every part of who God is, and that's the beauty of this life. You know what I mean? Like even... Mm. Even in heaven, like, we'll, we'll see God, but it's going to be so much where we're like, ah, like, we can't, he's not meant to be completely understood. So whenever people come to you with questions about why would God do this, why would God do that, unless you have a specific answer from heaven, I would honestly not try to come up with something just to come up with an answer, because um, I used to do that, and even if it wasn't an answer from heaven, it was just something that made sense. Like, oh, well, God's good. So if I say it like that, it'll still make them sound good. Okay, cool. So the reason why so-and-so passed away in your life, you know what I mean? Like we don't, um, we can't step back and see what God has laid out and unfolded for, you know, past, present, future, you know? And, and so I just think it's really important for us to realize like we can't figure God out completely. We just can't. And we're not yeah. meant to like, our little tiny pea-sized brains, like, <laughs> there's no way we That's could, rude. we would explode. Like, if y'all have seen Shrek, where Fiona was singing, and the little bird was singing with her, and she just went a higher note and higher note, and the bird was singing with her higher note, higher note, until the bird literally exploded. Do y'all remember that? And if you don't, sorry I ruined the moment for you, but a bird did die that day. And it was because mm. it was too much for the bird to handle. So if the Lord gave us everything he's called us to do, and everything that he is, we'd be like that bird, and we would literally combust. And just... That's Boom. my theory. Yeah. <laughs> and it could be. And, you know, we, we always think that we have to have answers when the, you know, the ultimate thing that you can do is just kind of say, I have no idea. Exactly. And, and you know, I think that that's a form of humility, too. And the Lord is always called us to be humble. I mean, you see it in Psalms a lot. You see it in Proverbs. And actually, you see it um, earlier in the Old Testament, too. It just talks about the Lord will... Um, humble the prideful and he will lift up the humble like it says that again yeah. and again actually there's just a lot of things that are rep um, repeating in the bible they're repeating because they're really important so pay attention to the things that you read again and again you're like wow does the lord keep saying that um because it makes me think of with the israelites aubrey the lord always said um he'd be like say something to them and then we'd be like i'm the god the god that took you out of egypt to and you would think like oh it Oh, the hundredth time will surely, surely stick. No. 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 Um, and that's the same with us. So that's why the Lord has to repeat things with us. You know, like, I, sorry, I keep talking, but I keep thinking of examples. Like our children. You know how many times you have to explain something to your child and they're still like, huh? And you're like, I... I don't know how to explain this to you more simple. Like, I feel like that's the Lord with us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know. I... I understand that the Bible tells us time and time again that you know his ways are not our ways. His his understanding is above ours. It's out yeah, it's outside surpass. of our realm our of our understanding. And so um we we have to just stop trying to figure it out and just trust in the process all along the way, which kind of what we wanted to talk about today was was it came out of our reading through the Old Testament and and it comes out of Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. And if, if we understand the timeline, and maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't, but the, the timeline of Nehemiah, Nehemiah comes out of, uh, out of the, the Persian Empire, right? Because the Babylonian captivity is happening. You know, it, it happened. They, the, they took all the Israelites 
as servants once again, and they were in captivity, just like, you know, the first Egypt captivity, then there was Babylon captivity, and Nehemiah and Ezra are coming out of that. They're finally coming back into Israel to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. In yeah. Jerusalem. And, and so everything is just a pile of rubble. Yeah. And so Nehemiah comes out and, and he gets permission from the king of Persia to, to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The Bible says that, that God showed Nehemiah favor with the king and the king was like, go and do whatever you feel like you need to do. That's awesome to go from servitude to just finding favor like that. Kind of like Joseph. Yes. And you know, everything like that. And so in the book of Nehemiah, we we see a, a pattern as he comes back, listening to what God has called him to do. The like Nehemiah had it made in in the Persian oh, yeah. kingdom. He was the cupbearer, right? Yeah, of the king, and so he he didn't he didn't really want for anything. He was really elevated, and so mm-hmm. when when he felt this charge to go and rebuild the temple, he was actually risking a lot in going and asking the king for that. But we we see him and he comes back because God told told him that that's what he needs to do. He needs yeah. to come back and rebuild Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so we, we find ourselves there in the book of Nehemiah. But what I find interesting is doing what God called him to do. God commissioned him to go back and rebuild the temple, rebuild Jerusalem, do all that stuff. So he's following God's plan. Yet there are multiple chapters in the book of Nehemiah that talks about opposition. Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean, Jordan? Like if you're going with the Lord, there shouldn't be any opposition, right? It has to be smooth or it's not God. Yeah. I mean, it has to like. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I mean, yeah. Sorry. That's sarcasm. Um, That's because, sarcasm, guys. <laughs> because we like a lot of times we think because of the way our theology is built up and the way that we see things that yeah. if God's in it, everything is going to be smooth. It's going to be flawless, seamless, and you're just going to walk right out of one season into the next season, and you know you're just going to prosper the whole time. Well, Nehemiah begs to differ. And yeah, every other person in the Bible also begs to differ. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Now you're just wrecking everything. But so Nehemiah chapter six, I think it's I think it's important to to kind of set the stage of where Nehemiah is at. But there were some people that were not they were not Hebrew, but they were already set up there because when when they came and took all the Israelites into captivity, of mm-hmm. course their land was left. There, so people came and settled where their stuff was. Does that make sense? Pretty so, much like the pagans. Yeah, and so Nehemiah rolls back into town. He's he's building up the temple. He's building up the walls, and these people are constantly messing with him. Like they're they're trying to mess with his workers. They're trying to write letters back to the king of Persia saying Nehemiah's here trying to build his own kingdom. He's trying to put up walls and he's not gonna pay you tribute. He's not gonna do all and so they're constant pain in his backside the whole time. 
But you know what's crazy? Because whenever you step back and think about it, Aubrey, it kind of makes you wonder, like, why do they even care? I don't understand. There's only a few Israelites there building up a wall. Like, why does that Why does that worry you so much? Well, I don't think it actually worried the people, their flesh, but the spirits in, him, in them, the dark, like, I mean, like the demonic forces that knew God's people were building up and obeying what the Lord's asked them to do. They were not happy with it. Yeah. And there's a that happens a lot, a lot now too, because sometimes like you'll wonder, like, I didn't even do anything. I don't I don't understand why there's so much opposition with this. Like yeah. the Lord asked me to do this, so I, I wanted to do this, you know? But it, it's not, you know, yet again with Ephesians, we don't war against flesh and blood, we war mm. against principalities, the dark yeah. forces. You know, and so I, I would encourage you with that. That if you feel opposition for doing something the Lord's called you to do, good. Yeah good because every demon in hell is probably like no they don't want god's will to go through you know yeah and every every major story every major breakthrough in scripture has opposition with it i mean you can you can yeah. count through all of them but i think that i think that it's important to go to nehemiah chapter 6 because the thing about it is the very title of Nehemiah chapter six says continued opposition to rebuilding, and it, and it talks about these Arab guys um, that that were that were coming up against Nehemiah, and they were constantly they kept trying to lure Nehemiah out away from what he was called to do. See, because this is this is what's important for us. Oh my gosh, sorry, somebody tried to call me and it rang through on my laptop. But anyway, so so Nehemiah was on task. He's like, God has called me to come rebuild these walls, rebuild the temple. I'm doing all this because the Lord's told me to. And these other guys are sitting there constantly trying to send him letters like, Hey, come out to meet us in this town and this town. And, and the Bible tells us that, that, um, Nehemiah refused to go because he goes, I know it's a trap. They're going and they're going to try to kill me yeah. because in where he was, while he was working on the temple and while he was working on the walls, he had the protection of all the workers that he had and everything like that. Oh, yeah. and so they were trying to lure him out so that they could destroy him. Well, and us as Christ followers, it always talks about how important community is, right? Yeah. And, and us having other Christ followers in our life that are challenging us, it is because that um, we're stronger when we're together. And also, I just think it's interesting that if he hadn't discerned what was going on, Aubrey, he would have gone and he would have died. Yeah. So I think that discernment and hearing the Lord and listening for the Lord and everything that we're doing, especially when you're following through the will of the Lord to hear every single thing he's saying, it can really protect you from harm and really protect you um, from certain things that might have unfolded if you didn't hear the, the voice inside your head. Hey, don't go there. Hey, don't. Yeah. build a relationship with this person. Don't do this. Don't do that. If you hear that and it doesn't bring you like, um, fear and anxiousness, then th that's the Lord. Like, even if it's something you don't want to hear, cause a lot of the times the mm -hmm. Lord will tell us something we don't want to hear, but discernment's so important. And that's an example of it right there with Nehemiah. Well, and imagine if Nehemiah had like what most of us have today and he feared what men thought of him. There'd be a lot of people falling into that trap. Yeah, because they were like, "Well, you know, I want to, I want to make peace with everybody, and I need to show up and try to, try to fix the situation, or try to like, yeah. I don't know why this person doesn't like me, so I'm going to keep trying to go to them to correct whatever it is that I've done wrong." But 
it was important for Nehemiah to discern what was going on in that moment because if he hadn't, he would have lost his life. And if Nehemiah would have went down, he was the chief architect of rebuilding the temple and the walls of Jerusalem anyway, so they would have never gotten rebuilt mm-hmm. without him. And so he continued to work away. And what I love about what the Bible tells us is that that uh, they they set guards up day and night, like the workers took turns. Like they'd work on the wall and then they'd run security and like they kept switching off, switching off. And the Bible gives a cool illustration for it because it says, it says that, that the workers were so steadfast, right? They rebuilt everything. I think it was like 52 days or something like yes. that. Mm-hmm. They, they worked day and night. The walls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, but the beautiful illustration that the Bible used was, um, they worked with a hammer in one hand and a spear in the other hand. Mm-hmm. Which means like they were still doing work while at the same time they were protecting themselves and their other workers. So it was kind of like, okay, how is it that I'm supposed to deal with opposition? Because as we read through the Old Testament and even through the New Testament, you see that opposition is a part of Christianity. Yeah, it just happens. Like Jesus says it like, hey, they hated me. They're surely going to hate you if you follow me. Yeah. And so... Nehemiah shows us a kingdom strategy for dealing with opposition because mm-hmm. we're all going to come up against opposition. And guess guess what? There's going to be people that don't like you. There's going to be people that are trying to derail where you're headed. And they might not even know that that's what they're doing, but they're being used by the enemy to try to keep you off track. And so here's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah does not stop. And even at one time, they tried to get him to go hide in the temple and barricade himself in there because they were like, well, if they get to you, then all this is lost. And he goes, I'm not going to run in fear and hide myself and then have them come slaughter my workers. We're going to keep diligently working. And we're going to have a hammer in one hand and, and our weapon in the other hand. And what I hear when you say that is it talks about the word of God when it's when in Ephesians 6, it talks about the full armor of God and it talks about the word of God, the words spoken that are God breathed, the Bible is our weapon, right? Mm. So whenever we face that opposition, we are to be in the word, right? We're supposed to have that in our hand. We're supposed to have that in our heart. It says, your word I have hidden in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And then uh, that scripture you said earlier, Aubrey, that um, the the Bible is the um, double-edged sword. Um, it's sharper than you two Yes, sword. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like brain fart. And it's just so important. We have to be in the Word. We can't go through with what the Lord has called for us to do, not having the Word in our heart and not getting into the Word on a regular basis. And I don't want it to be like a legalistic thing. Like, oh, I have to wake up specifically at this time and read this amount. You know what I mean? Don't make it like that. But it's so important to have the word in your heart. And to have something in your heart, you have to really be digging in it, really be looking at it every day. And I just think it's interesting. Like Aubrey said, they had the hammer and they were working in one hand, but they always had their weapon in the other. So they knew through any kind of opposition, they were always prepared. Even if it didn't look like there was opposition, they didn't set down their weapon and and work. And if they heard like the trumpet, like, oh, they're coming, the opposition, then they grabbed their sword. Like, no, they Mm -hmm. had it with them the whole time. And I just think that that is really important with us, especially in this time too, 
um, it's just like we're rebuilding things. Um, in the Church of America, it's been set a certain way for such a long time, but we've been talking to so many people. The Lord has transformed the way that they see things going on in the church and um, questioning even how um, America has made the church seem like the church is not just a building. Um, even the churches of the world, you know, realizing that I, I don't go to church. I am the church. You know what I mean? Like I go to a building where the other Christians are and we, you know, have that communion. But I we're the church. We are the church. And so um, I think that that was a way maybe that the enemy snuck in and made us think like we can't truly worship God and have church unless we're in a building. And that's just not true. Um, I think gathering together in buildings is great, obviously. I mean, I'm not against that, but I am against the mindset that only church can happen at the church because that is what keeps people um, without holding both of their you know, their weapon and their, their instrument that they use to work. So I just think that's really important to realizing that you are the church and that it's your responsibility to have the word of God written in your heart. It doesn't matter if your pastor has actually memorized the whole Bible. If you haven't brought, if, if that is not in your heart, the word of God, then your pastor's sure ready to fight, but are you, you know, so we can't, um, we can't um, hide behind other people's faith, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, anybody, even if it's your pastor or even your grandma, anybody. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the book of Nehemiah shows us there's there's different things that Nehemiah could have done that could have distracted him from the ultimate purpose that, that he came back. He left everything to to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild what he had to rebuild. Um, there were there were times that that the people were afraid, and he could have ran from opposition. He could have, you know, he could have done any amount of things to refuse to face the opposition. But instead, he just continued to work diligently, and and had faith that the Lord was going to protect him through everything that he did. It didn't stop him from holding the weapon in the other hand, though. He had the hammer and and the weapon. I mean, he didn't say like, "Well, I'm just not even going to defend myself." He did, yeah. but he did not lose sight of the ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal was to finish what God, the assignment that God had put on his life. Mm-hmm. There was nothing special about Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Just like there's nothing special about any of us outside of the assignment that God has for us. And when you are purposefully seeking the assignment of God on your life, there will be opposition. If you haven't hit opposition, it's probably because you're not seeking God in the slightest bit. And that might be a tough statement to say, but really, Everything that I read in scripture is about when you're fulfilling the assignment, you, you run into opposition every mm-hmm. time that there is no, there is nothing. So if, if you're looking around and you're like, well, I'm not being opposed by anybody. Well, then, you know, you're probably not seeking the assignment that God has put on your life. And it's crucial that we all fulfill the assignment because one day each and every one of us is going to stand before the Lord and he's going to show us of the things that he put on this earth for us to do. And he's going to show us then what we did with it and what could have been done with it. Hmm. And on that day, I believe that there's going to be a lot of tears because you're going to be like, man, I, 
you know, we're all going to be like, man, I had a great opportunity right there. And I just let it pass me by because I wasn't seeking the right things. I wasn't pressing into the right things. But just know if you're in a season where you feel like everything is opposing you, it's probably because you're seeking after the Lord with all that you have. And when that happens, there's constant opposition. But don't get distracted. Keep on the assignment. Build with one hand and defend yourself. But don't take your eyes off of the assignment. Yeah, it makes me think too with Nehemiah whenever he was the cupbearer. Mm, I bet in that season he didn't have a lot of opposition. I I would just think maybe not. Maybe every once in a while someone would be like, oh, you're just a Jew, you know, or something like that. Um, (laughs) Or you Israelite scum. I don't know how they felt about the Israelites. I have a feeling that they probably didn't think too highly of them since they were just taken over and, you know, all taken to other people's land as foreigners. But I, I don't think uh, in certain seasons, sometimes the opposition, we could be le- you, we could be um, living for God and the opposition might not be that crazy. But that is a preparation for us to dig deeper with God. So whenever that opposition does come in our lives, we can look at him like whenever you read in Psalms, David again and again and again, he's like, my enemies are at my left and at my right, at my mm. right. I mean, I feel like I'm in a pit, I, you know, but at the end, he's always like, but God, your faith in my eyes are looking to you. You're my shelter. You're my shield. You're where my help comes from. You know, and it's just realizing like, okay, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not going to have opposition in my life or that I'm not having it right now. I'm not going to be in denial, but I'm going to realize, um, I know who God is. And I know, like you always say, I'm in right standing with him and I'm doing what I know he's called me to do. And that's good enough. Even if the whole world calls me every name in the book, I can still look at God and know if we're good, then I'm good, you know, and get to that point because I'm saying it right now. And I'm also having to preach to myself because, um, that's very hard for me. Uh, I always want everyone to be happy with me, but that's not going to happen. I mean, that can't happen, especially, I mean, it could, if I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but if you're supposed to um, wait, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing for the Lord, there we go. You have to be okay with opposition, you know? And I don't mean like picking a fight so you get opposition, like going on Facebook and be like, your mama's so fat. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, don't try to seek opposition if you don't have it, just to prove that you're living with the Lord and doing what he's called you to do. But just know, be aware that it could be coming around the corner at any time and just have your work tool and have your weapon ready um, for whatever does come. Yeah. And I think it's, it's cool because, you know, our weapon is obviously the word and, you know, so it's basically saying, you know, continue to build, continue to press on to, to what God has for you, but don't, don't leave the word at home. Have it with yeah, you, yeah. You know? We're not strong enough without the Word of God and without empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So, don't try to go into a battle. Actually, the Israelites did that. Um, they didn't obey the Lord in something, and He wasn't going to go with them to battle. But He always had before, and so they just run into battle like, ah! and then it did not end well for them. And they're like, God, what the heck? Where were you? And Moses or Joshua, I can't remember. One of them was like, Well. The Lord wasn't with you. I mean, you didn't do what the Lord asked you to do. We obey the Lord and we know he's with us when we battle. So just, you know, don't try to be that um, Christian gladiator like, ah, and then like just jump into something Mm. without knowing that the Lord's with you (laughs) because that wouldn't be very pretty. (laughs) Yeah, because we see many examples of that in the Old Testament of times that the Lord was for Israel and times that he wasn't with them and that... It's a huge night and day difference. Oh, and it's also timing with the Lord. Our friend Taylor that was on here probably about a month ago, her book, 
first few chapters are all about timing and God's timing is not in our timing and our chronological order that we think things should go. And so it's just realizing also the timing of God because um, just because we try to push him to do something earlier doesn't mean he's going to do that. He most likely yeah. doesn't because he's God and he knows Most better. of the time he moves on his time on purpose. Yeah, just and we so just learn. You, yeah, just so you stop <laughs> thinking it's about you. But anyway, if, if there's anything that we that you can walk away with today, I just want to encourage you. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Don't don't run from the opposition. Don't let the yeah. opposition win. Continue to press on. Keep your eyes on the prize of what God has called you to do and just know that there's opposition for a reason. It's because you're serving God's cause instead of your own and just keep soldiering on. Keep yeah. pressing on and on the other side of it, when everything's at completion, you'll be able to look back and and know that God was for you the whole time. Mm-hmm. Amen. So that's how you deal with opposition. Yeah. What we've learned through Nehemiah. Through Nehemiah. <laughs> that's that's scripture. That's word. So there you go. We thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for continuing to support us. You all are a blessing. And yes. I'm just I just keep praying through everybody that watches this that don't let the opposition slow you down. Just keep mm-hmm. going. God's got a purpose in it. And he will, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. That's what Jesus said. And so we just we just love everybody. Um, thank you for joining us this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. My mic kept messing up. Bye, 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 bye.